this morning. No, really. And then we're going to have communion together. But this series where we've entitled What If, and, and my premise is it feels to me like we may be nearing the end. Now, we may not be, but what if? So what I'm trying to do as your pastor, my purpose for this series, 2023 edition, is to kind of negotiate a proper posture for the New Testament church in the last days. And that would mean we would need to re-examine and maybe readjust our priorities as a church and as individuals. And I know that's a grandiose objective, but stay with me as we finish this up today. Now, we know that the church has been falling more and more out of touch with the culture for decades. Um, the last 20 years or so, church attendance has plummeted to where it's somewhere around 20% of Americans attend church on a regular basis now. And, and even that was before COVID. And then COVID hit. And so a lot of people um, started staying home. Thank God and thank Josh that we were able to live stream our meetings and kind of stay in some semblance of context. Um, but let me just say, too, that if you're staying home and watching church on TV rather than coming here, I'll give you a list. There's lots of better places you can watch than this one. I'll let you know. But we want you here. And I think it's important that you be here. But in light of all the truths of the, the headlines and what we're seeing going on in our culture, we need to be asking ourselves, where are we? The, the capital C church and our little C church, Covenant Life Assembly, and where are we headed? So now, good news is we have a template for the process in Hebrews chapter 10. If you got that open in your Bibles, look with me at verse 23, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now the hope that the writer of Hebrews is talking about there is the gospel. And this is such stunning news it's almost impossible for us to get our minds around. If you think about it, the creator God loved us and cared so much about us, he instituted a plan to save us. Now that news is so incredibly beautiful, it's easy for us to kind of rationalize that away. But I want you to understand the hope that Hebrews 10 is talking about is not about us. This is about God and his nature. A couple things I want you to understand. First of all, God is a relational being. God exists in the Trinity. He lives in relationship. And then when he created the very first human, Adam and Eve were created specifically for intimate relationship with God. And the, from the moment that they messed that up and brought sin and separation into that relationship, God immediately went to work reestablishing that connection. And he had to send his own son. It cost the father everything. But what that tells me is he really, really loves us. And then the second thing we know about God is that he likes to hang out with us, which is insane. I know you. This last week, I mentioned I went to the funeral of one of my good friends, Tom Green, 
And it was a surreal experience. Tom was our DYD for years and worked in the national office. Uh, we were close friends. The family invited JC and I to have lunch with them before the funeral. And then when we went to the service, there were hundreds of people there to honor this just superlative man. And it was a surreal experience for me because I saw lots of my youth ministry peers that I haven't seen in 30 or 40 years, and they're old. They got old on me. But what was crazy, after the funeral service, the family went out in the, in the lobby of this big church and was greeting everybody. So I'm kind of just walking through, and I see some guys that hadn't seen us so long, and I'm talking to them. And it's really gratifying because it's great to catch up for just a minute, but it's also very, very frustrating because you can't get to everybody. Seeing people across the room that you'd love to hang out with and can't. Well, my point is the affection that I felt in that room that day is a God idea. We are, we are designed to be in close, intimate connection with other people. So when God saw us out of relationship with him because of sin, he sent Jesus to fix that. And then Hebrews 10 tells us that he who's promised is faithful. The hope he promised will be delivered. And, and that's the hope we're going to celebrate around the Lord's table in just a few minutes. Okay, going on. That was verse 23. Verse 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Man, so much in this verse. And I'm not going to take very long, but let me just rehearse this with you a little bit. There's a very popular saying going around now that says, You don't go to church, you are the church. And while I appreciate that sentiment, it is really easy to twist into false doctrine because the truth is, by yourself, you are not the church. Here's a better way we should look at that. You don't go to church, you are part of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to follow along with me, it says this. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you collectively are the body of Christ, and each one of you individually is part of it. You are the body, and you are part of it. Look at verse 15 in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for this reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body. Raise your hand if you're a part. Me too. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, right where he wanted them to be. And if all were one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Randy, what's your point? You can sit home and join us via live stream into our worship service. And you can hear the word, and that's great. But sitting at home and watching church is just not the same as being in church. Why? Because our body needs a hand, obviously. What if that's you? The Bible tells us that God designed the body to have a sense of sight and a sense of hearing and a sense of smell. Well, what if, what if that's you? How would we find, if the ear stays home, how's the church going to hear? And the point is, God designed the body to need you. We need what you bring. 
Verse 18 says, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So the lesson is this. You may feel like you're pretty mature spiritually. And you may feel like you're just fine if you don't come to church and be here in person. But my question is, what if somebody needs you? That's what 1 Corinthians 12 seems to be saying. And if you are spiritually mature or you're trying to be, wouldn't you come and offer yourself to the body? Wouldn't you make yourself available to others in the body? Say yes. Verse 25, going on. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the days approaching. Okay, I have learned a last day's church secret that I'm going to share with you. Are you ready? Here it is. The church doesn't happen only on Sunday. It's true. More than 30 years now, I've been meeting with a group of guys every Thursday morning. Have I mentioned that? Only every week, right? On Friday morning, I meet with a different group of guys, and I check with one of them this week. It's been more than 20 years now, every Friday morning. And, and when we began those meetings, I know in my thinking, it was, a, it was a spiritual discipline for me. I knew I wanted to get better. I wanted to get more Christ-like. So I got a group of guys that I could submit myself to that would help me grow. Today, confession, it's fun. It's not a discipline anymore. Now, I wouldn't miss it, and it still helps me. But what I've come to understand is, even though the personnel has changed somewhat, those, those meetings are literally lifelines for me. And what I've learned is, if we suddenly had to meet underground, as many, many, many of our brothers and sisters around the world are doing, and the idea that our churches will be closed is not inconceivable anymore. If that happened, I know that I could make it because I've got connections outside. But for most believers, for most of us, we need this meeting desperately. Let me tell you why God says don't give up the habit of meeting together. First of all, uninterrupted engagement. Now, you get that here and you don't get that at home. Let me tell you what I mean. This last summer, J.C. and I were on vacation. It was around the 4th of July weekend, and we had rented a cabin up in the mountains of northwest Arkansas, and they had this amazing back deck with a screened-in area and, and this beautiful lounge kind of furniture, and then it has an outside deck with a grill and this view of the woods. It was just amazing. And, and so on that Sunday morning, I got my computer out, and I got ready to hear Pastor Todd preach, and I got my coffee, and I sat down, and the Wi-Fi messed up. So I'm fighting, fighting, got it going, finally got it going again, and the dog needed to go out. And so I let the dog out, and I came back, and my phone dinged, and I reminded me about an appointment I had with a doctor. And my point is, I get it now. When you're home, and because you're sick or COVID or whatever, and you're trying to watch the live stream, and you genuinely want to engage, you mean to engage, there's laundry to fold. And you're watching on your computer, and you're engaged, and, and you get a notification, and you go flip over to the other, you, over to your news feed to see what's going on over there. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> or the phone rings, whatever the case might be. And my point is this. One of the reasons we meet together in person is engagement. Because like right now, 
I can look at you and you can look at me and I can see whether or not we're connecting. And I can get an idea if you're understanding what I'm saying. And if you're not, I need to figure something else out. But, but it's, I know that while God is at your house too, there's a lot better in chance you're going to engage with him if you're here. And that's important. The second reason we need to meet together is for corporate worship. Now, I love to worship alone. I love to put on my favorite music and just get in the presence of God and just get lost with him for a while. But when I worship with you, I am aware of you. And let me tell you why that's important. Corporate worship is contagious. Now, I don't have scripture and verse for this, except maybe all the Psalms telling God's people, don't forget to come together and worship. But it's true. When you, when you worship together corporately, worship begets worship. So there's a time when, when the congregation comes together and we begin to celebrate what we have in common, which is redemption and adoption, that, that God begins to move and we literally pass that from person to person. It's contagious. And let me say this. Listen carefully. It's important to sing together out loud. That's why we sing songs that we know, and that's why we put the words up on the screen. But Randy, I'm just not a very good singer. The person next to you needs you. And besides, God loves the sound of your voice. And there's just nothing like being in a room full of people when the presence of the Lord shows up. And we're engaged with him just because he's him. Just loving him. Not about what I can get, just loving Jesus. We need corporate worship. And the third reason we need to get together is for fellowship. Give me just a second here. One of the four things that the New Testament church was devoted to in Acts chapter 2 was fellowship. And that doesn't mean shaking hands with people or going out to dinner or staying out and chatting after church. Although these things are all good. This word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And it is a sacrificial, participatory, sharing fellowship. It's important. Let me tell you one of the things that's great about Covenant Life Assembly. What I love about our church is weirdos. Every Bible-believing New Testament church has weirdos. And I'm talking about people that are in my life that I wouldn't necessarily choose. People that I'm connected to and close to that make me uncomfortable. Because in the fellowship, it's the weirdos that rough off the rough edges of me. The sandpaper in my life that God uses to help me abandon my individuality and put aside my preferences for the good of the body. Now, we talk a lot about the mission of the church and, and expanding the kingdom is huge. Evangelism is huge. But just as important as evangelism is verse 24, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And verse 25, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's called discipleship. Helping one another grow up into Christ. One more passage of scripture. I'm almost done. Are you okay? Are you all right? Can I go just a couple more minutes, please? Ephesians 4. This is Ephesians 4. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Listen, that's the leaders, the leadership of the church. God gave the leaders of the church, verse 12, to equip his people, that's you, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What an objective! 
Going on verse 14. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful screaming, scheming. Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Watch this. From him, from Jesus... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as what? Each part does its work. This is the 1 Corinthians 12 body in action. This is fellowship, and you have a part. Yes, you. All right, let me close. I've got some of my elders going to get the, the, the trays out. We're going to put one communion set on each table. Don't start on that yet. We'll do that in just a minute. 